Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens and My Time Capsule is the podcast where my guest tells me the five things from their life that they've chosen to put into a time capsule. They can pick anything they like from any time in their life, but they must pick four things that they cherish and would like to preserve and then also something they'd like to get rid of from their life, something they want to bury and never think of again. My guest in this episode is the actor, magician and writer Andy Nyman, who's probably best known for playing nuts in the Shaun the Sheep movies. Well, he is in my grandkids' houses. But apart from that, Andy has done some rather remarkable things. Andy is co-creator of the long-running horror stage play Ghost Stories, which was nominated for two Olivier Awards and adapted into a film in 2017, starring Andy himself, along with Paul Whitehouse and Martin Freeman. He co-wrote and co-directed it with his childhood friend, the fourth member of the League of Gentlemen and former guest on My Time Capsule, Jeremy Dyson, who he talks about in this episode. As an actor, Andy has been in many films, including Severance with Danny Dyer, Black Death with Sean Bean and Eddie Redmayne, Kick-Ass 2, Star Wars The Last Jedi, The Commuter with Liam Neeson, Judy, the Judy Garland film starring Rennie Zellweger, and Disney's Jungle Cruise with Dwayne Johnson, Jack Whitehall and Emily Blunt. There's a group of names you never thought you'd say together. On the tally, he's been in Unforgotten, Ballot Monkeys, Peaky Blinders and Dead Set, to name but a few, and is the voice in, as I mentioned, Sean the Sheep, Ollie the Little White Van, and Sarah and Duck. In the theatre, he's been in Abigail's Party and Assassins, and played Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof. He was due to play Horace Vandergelder in Hello Dolly, just before Covid and the lockdowns. Remember those? Still, hopefully we'll get the chance to see him in that role soon. And his hobby is magic and illusions. And as part of that hobby, he's collaborated with psychological illusionist Darren Brown for over 20 years. He is the co-creator and co-writer of the television shows Darren Brown Mind Control and Trick of the Mind. He and Darren wrote Russian Roulette, Seance and Messiah, as well as three series of Trick of the Mind. 
He also co-wrote and co-directed eight of Derren's stage shows, and they were awarded the 2006 Olivier Award for Best Entertainment. And he is currently working in New York, so thank goodness for Zoom, which is how I was able to ask him to tell me the five things he'd want in a time capsule. And this is the result. Good morning. Hello. How are you? New York, New York. Andy Nyman, Andy Nyman. I like to say it twice. <laughs> so bad you say it twice. <laughs> and where are you, Mike? Tunbridge Wells. Sunny Tunbridge Wells. It is a beautiful day, actually. It's really it's one of those... fucking miserable here. It's absolutely bizarre. <laughs> I mean, the weather yesterday was blazing hot. Yeah. The day before, grey. Literally, since I've been here, been here nine weeks... It has been, I mean, it's that classic joke of, if you don't like the weather, wait 20 minutes. I mean, (laughs) honestly, snow, sleet, gorgeous sun, rain, all next to each other. But that's supposed to be here. That's what happens to us. We've had nothing. We haven't even had April showers. Oh, we've messed it up, haven't we? <laughs> we have fucked it up. We really have. Royally. Yeah. <laughs> Royally. Yes. Yeah. I know. It's uh, all those things that you take for granted, all those things for years and years ago. Well, I know what happens then. You know, we've got, when is it? It's just the start of May, isn't it? Yeah. Well, bluebells are almost over in this country at the moment, and they're not really supposed to be out yet. Yeah. Just simple things like that, I think. Yeah. And then they on the news last night, Somebody said, we think this is a worrying trend, said this man, when they've been doing this bug survey, where they get people to basically count the number of bugs on their number plate. And they've been doing it regularly for the last 20 years. Right. And the number of bugs on the number plate of cars uh, has gone down by 60%. Oh. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh. Crazy. Christ. Crazy. So, you know, I don't know what situation you're in, but I've got grandchildren, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is ridiculous. What have we done? Yeah, no, we haven't got grandchildren yet. We'd love them, mm. but neither of our useless children. <laughs> Loathsome, wasted adult children <laughs> have delivered that yet. Spoilt, pampered. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've sent them a special copy of this. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, brilliant. No. Well, it's lovely of you to do this. Thank you so much. I won't take up too much of your time just chatting. Oh, it's <laughs> lovely. That's all it is, really. It is just chatting. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm absolutely thrilled. And I listened to Jeremy's, which is gorgeous. Ah, but you know that, don't you? What a gorgeous man. Oh. I've only ever sort of vicariously known him, so I've never really met him. Well, we've been best friends since we were 15. Mm. I mean, we met at Jewish summer camp when we were 15. Yeah. And have stayed best friends ever since. That's the sort of man he is, though. Yeah. That came across really clearly, yeah. that he's very proud that friends he made at that age are still his best friends. Mm. I mean, don't let him fool you. I'm the only one. <laughs> oh. Nobody else talks to him. <laughs> no one else will go near him. <laughs> and you're just using him, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yes, his time's nearly up. Yeah. <laughs> he's had his idea. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, lovely. Well, I'm going to quiz you about things that you'd like to put into a time capsule. Perfect. Great. Perfect. Okay. Well, I, I did have a think about it, obviously. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the issues I have with it is because I'm desperately sentimental and incredibly nostalgic, a lot of the things that I would put in, I've kept. So I actually have them to take with me. Yes. I mean, not 
here now because I didn't bring them from England. So I was also trying to think about a couple of things that I no longer have. So it's a mix of those things, really. Mm. But the first thing that I wanted to put in, which I don't have, was my dad, who's no longer with us, sadly. When we were kids, uh, and I should say, mum and dad were wonderful. My mum's still around. We had the most fantastic childhood. Mm very blessed and loved and happy and safe and, you know, everything that you would hope for that you would wish everybody could have. Mm. And there was a time when I guess my dad, cause we'd have been little. So my dad would have been in his early forties maybe. And we'd always had quite sort of safe family cars, <laughs> Volvos and stuff like that. Yeah. And my dad, <laughs> presumably him and mum must have had negotiations and talks about this, but treated himself to an orange convertible Triumph stag. Wow. Number plate XRY3J, <laughs> which I still remember because that car used to go in the garage and you must, Mike, obviously remember the, the cartoon Wacky Races. Yeah. Yeah, with Penelope Pitstop. And <laughs> so because it looked a bit like a Wacky Races car, whenever Dad would, come on, kids, let's go for a drive, Yeah, he'd be reversing it out of there as we would all be shouting, XRY3J, <laughs> Wacky Races, because <laughs> this car came out. And I have very distinct memories of top-down, the three of us, sitting, you know, feet on the seats, bum on the back of the car, wow. you know, whizzing along a bit, yeah. which of course is lethal. reckless and lethal now, one understands, but felt so amazing at the time. So I have actually searched online a few times to see if it's around anywhere. And I think it's long gone. I've never yeah. been able to find it. But if I could have that car. Oh, Yeah. I wonder what it was that your dad suddenly... I mean, maybe he got a bonus at work or something like that, or... I don't know. I an think, inheritance? Well, he'd all... No, it, I think it was either of those, Mike. I think he'd always wanted a motorbike, and I think when he was young, had sort of borrowed my uncle's motorbike mm -hmm. once. So I think he had that sort of slightly daring spirit that had that he'd never quite fulfilled. No. And as a dad, often, you can't. Yes. You have to suppress it, don't you? Yeah, he's a very responsible man. Mm. So I think that there was something, because there was so, I mean, I remember the car was incredibly low, you know, like those little sports car and sort of flimsy and had the growl of a motorbike. Mm. So, I mean, there was definitely something of the racing car about it for sure. So I think it probably ticked that box and it just felt so exciting. Did the Transtag have one of those, you know, when you took the roof down on a Transtag, did it have yeah. like a bar across it or was it completely clear? Clear is my memory of it. Completely clear. I'm trying to think what I, which car I'm thinking of. Oh, no, hold on. It was, it was a Spitfire. Ah, Spitfire. Yes. Yeah, Spitfire, not a stag. The Spitfire. Yes. Wow, it's so tiny. Yeah, tiny little thing. Yeah. yeah. And you forget how small they are. When you see one every now and again, you go, oh, my God, that's, you could put that in your pocket. Oh, no, unbelievable. I have another very happy driving memory of Dad where he was a dentist NHS dentist, and he had to go and collect a piece of um, equipment from Southport, mm. which was a schlep and a half from Leicester. <laughs> but it said to me, look, why don't you come with and we can go 
I seem to remember there was a bit of a, a sort of fun fair there. So we had this drive there and then did the fun fair. Mm. And then the drive back, which was at night, again, there's such innocent safety, loose times. Yeah. I remember him just sort of, I lay down on the back seats, no straps or anything, I think with his coat over me and slept and sort of, I remember drifting off to sleep in that completely unsafe. The whole thing's so reckless now when you look at it all. Yeah. But my memory of that is also such a blissful, that would be a little sidebar to put into my, Mm. that and that lovely, when you're a kid, the sound of the indicator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when, you, when your parents are driving. It's never quite the same, is it? My mum had an A30, which had the indicator on the dashboard. You had to lean across and turn a dial. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. It's such a ridiculous thing to do because it took a lot of effort and (laughs) you had to take your attention away from the road for quite a long time to find this thing. So in order to warn people you were going to turn left or right, you were basically not looking at the road. She ends up trying to (laughs) take journeys that are simply a straight line so you don't have to. (laughs) I know, no, I'm not doing any bends. (laughs) Oh, dear. I do remember being put, yes, my uncle had an Austin Vanden Plus I think it was called. It was a lovely thing. It was one of the first, almost, I suppose, one of the first hatchbacks. Mm. And we used to go to his house and stay there for the night and then wake up at about three o'clock in the morning in the summer and drive to Cornwall. And that was a, you know, like a nine-hour journey. So we would set off just as the dawn chorus was starting and we would come out in pyjamas and be put into a bed on the flatbed at the back. (laughs) (laughs) Lethal. (laughs) <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Isn't it, just? It's mad, yeah. Oh, brilliant, though. And it's hard not to miss the simplicity of that, but equally, God knows what the crash figures <laughs> and deaths were. So I think it's probably good it's not like that anymore, mm. but it, it definitely feels less nanny stage yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes complete sense, doesn't it, now? Oh, Absolutely. I wouldn't want to take any of my grandchildren in a car without absolutely strapping them in in something really secure. <laughs> oh, of course. Either that or just lying them on a, a fashioned bed. <laughs> With the dog. On the back. Yes. <laughs> Three of them. Yeah. And half your yeah, luggage. Totally. So just you only need to brake very yeah. sharply and everything's going to fly into the front seat. <laughs> it's lethal. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. all right then. I'm Mad. going to put a trans Spitfire. Orange, fantastic. God, XRY3RJ, is that right? 3J. XRY3J. Wacky races. Yeah. (laughs) That's brilliant. Oh, yeah, let's put that in. Yeah. So that would go in. I'm going to give your dad driving gloves as well, just to make it perfect. Oh, perfect. Yeah. He also at that time had a good old handlebar (laughs) moustache. So it it was very Jason King, (laughs) the whole thing. Lovely. Um, So... The next item, so this this is something that I now have mm. coveted, but one of the connections um, Jeremy Dyson and I have always had as well is that my family was from Leeds, my mum and dad and all. So a lot of my childhood was spent going up and down to Leeds to see grandparents and, you know, at that time, all of the rich tapestry of relatives that were still alive and there, you know, there was a whole other life. Mm. So my grandparents used to live on a road called Roman Gardens in Leeds. And at the top of their road, this story takes a bit of a dark turn, but it's okay. okay. At the top of their road, there was 
a news agent come toy shop called Mathers, which I loved. And I, I still, to this day, God, I love a news agent. Absolutely. <laughs> and one of the great sadnesses for me, actually, with the kids being grown ups, is one of the things I miss profoundly is buying comics for them and choosing mm. comics with nice free gifts and all that stuff. I love a news agent, always have me and my sister as well, just love them. <laughs> so, in this news agent, they had a toy section. Now, one of the peculiar things about the 70s, which is when this would have been, this would have been early 70s. Um, mm-hmm is that there was a a huge surge in monsters being part of kids' toys and stuff. And it would be, you know, they'd sort of back reference Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Mummy. It was probably because of the popularity of Doctor Who was starting and all that. Yeah. So monsters became, and you'll see it, there's loads of lollipops from that time and ice creams and stuff and crisps. So... I was in there presumably with either my grandparents or my mum and dad. And they, I saw in the shop this thing, monster rings, finger rings. And it was these plastic rings. And one of them was like a vampire bat. One of them was a sort of, you couldn't quite work out whether it was a werewolf monster. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of others, uh, like a, a, a hand, a green hand from the grave. <laughs> and one of them was a skeleton, was a skull. And they were beautifully designed and made these things. Mm. And the skull, your finger went through basically its open mouth. And so the top half was it was this, it was like a screaming skull. And it was quite scary, but it was great. And they were 3P. Mm. So I can remember spending, it was a Saturday, and I can remember spending what felt like an hour and a half choosing the design that I wanted. So I got this skull ring and God, I loved it we went back to grandma and grandpa's and it was a saturday afternoon you'll soon understand why i know every detail of this Mm -hmm. and i'm playing with this thing and we were all downstairs and spartacus was on telly watching spartacus i'm playing with this ring and i was scared of it but i loved it and loved that frisson and the phone went and it was to tell us that my grandma's sister my auntie kitty had been knocked down and killed. Oh, Lord. Awful. Mm. Which, of course, was horrendous. I was convinced it was because I'd bought this skull ring. It was uh. a, it, it, it cursed. Such was the power of this frightening thing. Mm. So I threw, it, I threw it out the window. I threw it away. I was so scared. Cut forward 45 years or 40 years, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I am frantically searching eBay. <laughs> Is it because you want the ring or because you want the power? Oh, the power I want the power. I want the power of life and death. Yes. And in a ring. There's a few people I want to curse. <laughs> um, and not only did I find the ring, but I found an entire box of them in the, mm. the display box and everything of these monster rings. So I bought them. So I have those. And th- there's quite a few things that really take me on a proper time travel back to that period. The other one that I link absolutely to that house and to that time is Dandelion and Burdock. 
So if I open a bottle of dandelion and burdock or a can, which I am partial to do every now and then with fish and chips, <laughs> the smell is an instant time travel. I mean, it's, in, it's, extra, it's profound. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But those rings, those monster rings are so amazing when I look at that box because not only, I mean, obviously it was a sad day, but it's an amazing time travel to that period of my childhood. Wonderful period when my grandparents were alive, Mm. when, you know, yes, it always felt like a bit of a schlep to have to go up to Leeds, but just fantastic being able to have all the family together, you know, just, it's just fantastic. So those monster rings, that box of monster rings would be going into my time capsule. Absolutely perfect. You're a bit of a, a searcher on eBay for those sorts of things, aren't you? Because didn't you buy Jeremy? The outhouse. Outhouse, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. We're quite, as a family, and my wife as well, we're all sort of collectors slash she's a bit of a hoarder as well. But <laughs> my... I'm glad you said that. I wonder for a moment what you were going to say. I oh, know. <laughs> and we do love design and stuff very much. So my idea of art, I don't, it's not like I've ever spent money on paintings and things, but the design of that monster box to me Mm. is as incredible. And one of the things that with Jeremy and I, when I got him the outhouse, one of the things that's amazing is I so love joke shops. And one of the most amazing sort of living art pieces actually is to me is, is the window of a joke shop. I find it absolutely incredible. All of those packets crammed together in the window to entice the the actual art that's designed and used on them, you know, that would have all been hand-drawn. So I have in my study, basically the back of the study door, I've recreated that. Um, So it's like a joke shop window. Mm. All of these amazing packets of jokes and tricks. I just love it. I find it so inspiring. And if any of your listeners are ever in Hull, Mm -hmm. there is the most amazing joke shop there called Dinsdale's. And it's been there. I think Dinsdale's has been there probably, if not a hundred years, it must be 80, 90 years. And it's still in the same family. And Graham, who owns and runs it now, has left the windows the same as they always have been. So you have like his his grandpa's writing on the gags and stuff. Wow. This thing is truly the most phenomenal museum of a slice of Britishness that has gone. Mm. And one of the things I also love about it, it's sort of like a living historical document as well, because lots of it is desperately on PC. <laughs> I mean, shockingly so, you know. <laughs> Uh, in terms of its racial politics, in terms of its gender politics. Yes. It's shocking. X-ray specs. Oh, God. Well, X-ray specs is is the least of your problems, Mike. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's shocking, but I think it's sort of important because in a way it's a document that shows how far we've travelled mm-hmm. since those times. You know, the fact that you could not have an, you know, I've got stuff on my, you know, in my collection that you just think, how was that ever made? Mm. How was that ever sold? And did we think it was okay? Yes. Doesn't mean it's not funny anymore and not shocking and daft and silly, Mm -hmm. but 
I think it's important to keep those things as opposed, because it's just like, otherwise you're just whitewashing and pretending that wasn't part of what we were. Absolutely. I remember the trick soap Yeah, that every child was, of course, enticed by the idea that you would be able to replace your parents' soap. They would wash their hands and their face in it and would end up... Blackface. Blackface. Yeah. That's what they were selling. Yeah. And that's... It's quite extraordinary, isn't it, really, when you think Oh, it's amazing. I mean, you know, I won't describe some of the things that I've got, but, I mean, they are. It's shocking, Mm. but also brilliant, because those were the things, when you were a kid, you'd go in and see, and there'd be the little X-rated section that had sort of the naughty things in it, you know, which the outhouse would have been part of. I Mm. do have a brilliant thing at home as well that I always remembered as a kid called a strength tester. And there's quite a few of those, like the outhouse, things that weed on you. (laughs) And this thing, it's like a rainbow coloured bulb at the bottom, like it looks like it's heavy. And on top of it is a sort of Charles Atlas strongman who looked just like my dad, handlebar moustache. He looked just (laughs) like him. It's brilliant in white plastic. So I loved it. And there's a thing in it that says, impossible to lift with one hand. (laughs) So you get hold of this thing and lift it. And of course, as you lift it, there's a sucker on the bottom and this Charles Atlas just wheeze all over you as you lift the thing. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I, I've got one of those at home, which sadly doesn't wee anymore. But just the look of it, again, was as kids going in and seeing that, you think, oh, my God, it's dad. Look, you know. I love the fact that when you're young and you're enticed by those things, and every child is, every child adores the idea of magic, every child adores the idea of tricks, particularly mm. done on adults, a lot of people forget that that's what they really love. And you haven't, have you? No, I haven't. I've never liked the idea of, I've never understood the idea of being a grown up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really love the idea of trying to keep, and look, life has a way of battering you. Yeah. And, And it's hard sometimes to retain that excitement and that passion and that sense of joy and wonder that you have, um, because it's never fashionable to be enthusiastic. No. It never has been and never will be. It's much cooler to be cool mm. about things. Well, you, you'd think so. You'd think so. And yet, look at the success of all those things that you've done as a result of your own personal interests and how many people adore them. And the reason for that is because I think secretly we all sort of hang on to that. We just stop admitting it. Yeah. And I think I, I really think it's so important to... I mean, it's funny, Jeremy talked about his study... And one of the things that I, that I find really lovely about that is one of the conversations we've had, because my study is literally, there's not a millimetre I can't look at that isn't filled with things that I love, either from my childhood, magic, or books on acting, or horror stuff. Mm. It's just everywhere. And that was one of the things when Jeremy, because Jeremy's office wasn't quite like that when we first started working together. And I was like, I don't, you've got such lovely things. What you should be able to look at them. (laughs) And, and that I think was a sort of, I'm not saying it was an inspiration for him, but I think seeing it, you know, you just sort of realize it's so important to just sort of, when you've got things that you like, because you go blind to them is the other thing you, you don't see. I mean, look, you've got those amazing pictures on your wall behind you mm. and your gold disc, <laughs> you know, and those are things that you just don't see anymore when you walk into the room. They're just part of your environment. True. So I, I love trying to keep that excitement alive about things. And I do find things really exciting. 
Do you only have to do it once with children? My grandchildren, I've taught them... See, I, I know nothing about magic and you know everything about magic, but I taught them one simple magic trick yeah. which people can't work out because it's so simple. Yeah. And we've done it again and again and again and people go, no, hang on, what, so are you pointing at it or what, how are you doing it? Because basically it's, you know, they go out of the room, somebody picks something, and then I say to them, is it this? They go, no, is it this? No. And I can do it a varied amount of times, doesn't matter. Brilliant. When I point to the thing, they say, yes, that's it. That's the thing they chose. And adults go, what? (laughs) And they can't believe it. And it's so simple. And the kids must love it as well, don't they? They love the power of it. They love it. I mean, I will tell you what it is. No, you you mustn't. You mustn't. no. 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 Okay. No. Because that, because you're not just telling me, you're telling all your listeners. That's and I true, don't want actually. them to know that. You know, you That's should true. keep the code, whatever it is, okay. secret. And of course there's a code, yes. Yeah. But it's a very it's very, very simple. Well, simple is the best. Mm. Simple is the best, always. We can do it with people, pick a famous person. Yeah. And I go through the list and eventually they will tell you that, yes, that's the person they chose. So we can do that. We can do it with all sorts of different things. Wow. And it works every time. I like the sound of that. Mm. I'll tell you secretly what it is. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, should I tell you my next thing? Yeah, fantastic. We'll put that, that into the time capsule for you. That's two items you've got. So let's go on to number three. Okay, Andy and I are going to magically disappear now while they play some ads. We will reappear in a flash in a moment. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Flash. Ah, saviour of the... Oh, no, wrong Flash. Sorry. Welcome back to part two of my time capsule with Andy Nyman. Let's discover, as if by magic, what else he would like to put in his time capsule. Abracadabra. It's not really magic, it's just a recording. Okay, so I would have been about 14 when the home video boom started. 
And I was desperate. I'm sort of jumping to the end of the story, giving away what the story is really. I was desperate for a VHS at home. Mm -hmm. Desperate, desperate, desperate. And nagged and nagged and nagged. And they were just too expensive and impractical. What's the point of it? How many programs are you going to want to tape and what? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. all those things that now just feel so naive. There's only, you know, I think Channel 4 may have started then, but, you know, it was like basically three channels. And what are you going to tape? There's nothing on in the afternoon apart from horse racing. You know, I mean. <laughs> and also that argument that people always used, which is, well, you know what time it's on. Just watch it when it's on. Exactly. So I'd nagged and nagged and it was just a no-go. And dad used to get, at Christmas, he'd get presents from his patients. And it was always a bottle of whiskey or a this or a that. Anyway, he came home this one time with a box and said, here, you can open this present from one of the clients. Mm. So I was like, I don't want to open a box of chocolates or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> and dad was like, well, it's a bloody big box of chocolates if it's chocolates. <laughs> so I ripped it open. And of course, he'd gone and bought a VHS player. Brilliant. And wrapped it and said it was from a client. Yeah. And that video recorder, I mean, there's a few things that go hand in hand with it, but that video recorder and that box, God, I'd love that <laughs> for my time capsule because it was properly the start of my horror obsession. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jeremy and I often, I mean, I refer to him a lot, don't I, when I'm talking about my childhood, but my film education really was down to Monday nights on the BBC after the news, it'd be the Monday film, mm -hmm. followed by, you know, film night with Barry Norman. <laughs> so mum and dad had let me stay up and watch those. And they showed amazing films, which now, oh my God, you could record them on the VHS and rewatch the French Connection or whatever it was that they were showing. Mm. But then the video nasty boom all happened around that time, the horror videos. And you suddenly could go to any garage or local shop that, that had videos to rent. And it was a free-for-all, really, in terms of what was suddenly available. Mm. And, of course, there was a lot of crap that was available. But there were also these extraordinary films that you'd heard of or not heard of that you were just taking a risk on. And within that, you know, that's where I discovered... Dario Argento, Wes Craven, Mario Bava, um, Lucio Fulci, hmm. all these incredible filmmakers. And you were just getting this world cinema education. Yeah. Uh, and it was absolutely amazing. And that was entirely due to dad going and buying that VHS machine mm. for us. Or mum and dad, it's unfair to say dad, you know, it was the pair of them. Yeah. Was it, was it a press button one? Do you know, my memory of it is so vague. It was either a press on the front or it was one of those chunky, pull the button down. And you'd, yeah. it's so analogue, you'd feel, yes, as the thing clicked play. Quite extraordinary, the concept that you, in your own home, could record the television. It was really weird, wasn't it? I remember that happening. Yeah. And going, this is extraordinary. Yeah. So you'd press this thing, or you'd set the timer, if you could ever work that out. Yes. And then you'd have this thing, and you'd be able to play it back. Yeah. You couldn't believe it. Again and again. I've still got a lot of those tapes. Have you? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I would want to keep as well, that I'd twist your arm, Mike, to allow it to, to count as an adjunct to the VHS player, yeah. was the notepad by it that dad would write in that was the, the numbered tapes. And you'd <laughs> write what was in it and then cross it out. You know, yeah. so it'd be, and some things you'd break the tab on the VHS so you couldn't record over it. Absolutely. That's never going to go. That's never yeah. going. Yeah. Rocky's never going. But <laughs> then I do remember one brilliant thing where we must have had 25 tapes in that drawer and you'd constantly be searching to try and find a video to record on. And my mum had one tape <laughs> that had little women recorded oh. on it. And of course, I think Dad recorded over it for some rugby no. match. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, well, there was nothing else available, you know, and he'd got like That's 25 it. tapes of, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> I'll never forget that little women. Oh, the fury. Yeah. The fury. Yeah, the one tape. Yeah, I had one tape where I transferred from a video recorder. Actually, he took out a rented one wow. for the day. Yeah, yeah. I took it out and videoed my daughter just when she started walking. So I had this lovely video and we could watch it every now and again. Of course, you've got the child there, so you don't. So several years later, oh, God, there's so-and-so on the telly. Got to record that. We're going out. <gasps> and I went right over it. <laughs> yep. Terrible, isn't it? Terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so, God. yes. Thank God for the cloud. That's all I can say. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. But, yeah, so that, that VHS player. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay, well, let's put that into the time capsule. That's number three. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Okay, we're moving on to number four. I've got one more to keep, haven't I? That's right. So this was hard because I was trying to weigh up. The, the, I'll tell you what the contenders were. Mm -hmm. And I actually have these three contenders. One was a bit like the Monster Rings. Um, there was a thing called Wearum Scarums which were free gifts from Tudor crisps and their little oh, metal yeah, yeah. medallions. And you mm. send off six packs of crisps and you'd get your vampire head. <laughs> so I have my full collection of those. They're beautiful. They're, they're really a thing of beauty. If you look them up on eBay, you'll see them, you know, and you can't believe they were free gifts. They're little mm. beautifully made. But that's, so wear them, scare them. They were on the list, as was my James Bond Aston Martin which I still have mm. with the little matchbox that I put all the bits in. So I've still got that, but I decided no, because I've got that. Yeah. And then the other one is a book called the, no do you remember? I don't know if you remember the know-how books. There was a great know-how book of jokes and tricks, which I got. Yes. And there was also the know-how book of spy craft, which I have. And I loved just the drawings of it. I think if it, it may have been a Giles Brandreth book, actually, the remarkable Giles Brandreth mm. and these drawings, and it was all codes. And if you were a spy, which of course I loved where you'd hide secret messages and all that. Stuff. I loved that. So that was a contender, but none of those actually, because I have them all. Okay. I was trying to think of something that I no longer have. This keeps them safe. You know, I know. Oh, so it's difficult. The thing I went for, which again is sort of allied to the horror and the videos, was I used to keep a scrapbook of VHS covers. So I would buy the video magazines yeah. that were available, you know, and I'd go through these video magazines and I would cut out 
all of the horror covers from these magazines. It is the most lurid artwork. I mean, you just can't believe it. So I'd cut all these things out and I kept these scrapbooks. And there's no doubt they are shocking covers. <laughs> you know, you've got these cannibal holocaust, cannibal ferox, I spit on your grave, driller killer, all <laughs> yes. of those things, you know. And I loved them. And my dad, and now through the eyes of being a parent, I can so understand this, said at one point, was quite disturbed by them. I think mum and dad were probably quite worried Mm. about them. I'll never forget my dad saying to me these immortal words. He said, you have got a morbid fascination with death. (laughs) And... To prove him wrong, I then threw those away. Um, I had like two scrapbooks and I got cross and sort of, you know, fine. If I'm not allowed to have them then, you know, in a sort of teenage, I'd have been 15, 16, because that, mm. that's around the time it was. And I threw them out. And fortunately, there've been a few books that have come out with sort of, there's a brilliant book called The Art of the Nasty, which is all the covers of the band videos. Yeah. But it's not quite the same oh. as cut out from a magazine mm. with your crappy glue that's now spludged over the sides and is peeling. <laughs> and I, I would have loved to have had those scrapbooks. It's anything that takes a while to do. Yeah. It's more precious than something you can just go and get it all. Well, that's it. And it's also, isn't it? It's about the things you've selected, mm. it, it, you know, and, and I'm crap at art like that. I mean, I'm talking about even cutting things out. I, I'm, I always make a bodge of it. So my wife is so brilliant at crafts and I just marvel at how the ease with which she can sort of do these things. I mean, I'm talking about cutting in a straight line and I can't yes. really do it. It's like, <laughs> oh shit. So, and all that's part of it as well. But, you know, the commitment to, and I'm sure there'd have been other things I'd have glued in there and stuck in there, like the cover of the magazine or the date it was from or mm. a little write-up about Sansa. You know, in my memory, it's just the pictures, but it wouldn't have been. It would have been so much more. No. But I don't feel angry about not having it because I can understand why they'd have been worried. Mm. Yeah, your mum and dad sound brilliant, I have to say. Oh, they were. They, they were. My mum still is. But there's definitely that thing that you think, well, if you'd have done it differently and had a conversation, you know, Instead of it just being an accusation, mm-hmm. if there was a conversation about it, you know, what, what do you like about these? Yeah. Then it might have been, an, well, I just love the fact they're films and they're not real. And then you realise, oh, right, it's not like you're actually collecting photos of dead animals, no. in which case we would be talking about you having a problem. <laughs> or indeed dead animals. Yes, or indeed. <laughs> <laughs> they're pictures of the ones I've killed, yes. We're a bit worried about all the boxes in your room, And Andy. the smell, Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So yeah. those those two scrapbooks, lovely. I think would be my final time capsule mm, to keep. To keep. Yes. I keep. Brilliant. Yes. Okay. All right. So what's the thing you want to get rid of? <clears throat> I actually found this quite hard, harder than what to keep, mm. because there wasn't a huge amount that I look back at and think oh, I hated that. So I th- really thought and thought about it, and then I did find something that I absolutely hated so much. And I have no idea why we were forced to do this by my parents. (laughs) (laughs) But whenever we were going on a long drive, 
is my memory of it, a long drive. And I can only imagine there'd been some sort of wretched vomiting incident. We were forced to take sea legs. (laughs) (laughs) Anti-travel sickness tablets. Yeah. These fucking things... I think they were sort of fake raspberry flavor or something. But literally. <laughs> they instantly make you feel sick, don't they? Just the two words, Mike. When I when I was thinking, what do I hate? And I suddenly thought sea legs. I felt my knees weaken. And not, I'm honestly not even exaggerating. And if my sister listens to this, she will be the same. I, well, both my sisters, actually. But having to take those tablets and we used to try and do it and okay well just leave me alone i'll go in the hallway and do it and i think there were a couple of times i just sort of stashed them and then got caught and just the the smell i can remember so clearly the minute that blister pack was opened oh. that smell of awful awful little tablet you had to take <laughs> <laughs> so that would be my time capsule. Never ever want to see or hear it again. Yes, let's get rid of it. Yes, oh, but the problem is, of course, for your parents. If there had been an incidence of travel sickness, yeah. thereafter you're always forced to take the tablets, and nobody else is sick. And you're saying to them, "I, I don't need them. I'm fine." Yeah. And they said, "No, no, no. We know that without the tablets, you will be vomiting the moment we leave home." Oh, you get it. I totally get it, Mm. but equally doesn't stop it being draconian and wretched and (laughs) traumatising. Literally, the one also speaks about what a lovely childhood. The one singular thing I can think about I would get rid of is that. Yes. You know. I know. Whereas it could have been, okay, before we travel, all of you have to stick your fingers down your throat and empty your stomach. Get rid of it all. Yeah. Yeah. But there you go. (laughs) Sea legs would be my get rid of. Fantastic. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to get rid of them as well. I I think I only took them when we went to sea. Well, exactly. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not a trip to Southport. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Andy, how fantastic. (coughs) Excuse me, it's not COVID. That's okay. I'm safe even if it is. You're safely miles away in New York. Yeah. Yes. Well, how lovely of you to give me your time and thank you so much. It's lovely to talk to you. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Mike. Honestly, I've loved it. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my lovely guest, Andy Nyman, all the way from New York, New York. So good they named it New York. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you had fun. Well, enough fun to persuade you to do me the favour of rating and possibly even reviewing this show. You just click on five stars and then you write something like bloody brilliant on the podcast provider you use. And if you subscribe to this podcast as well, then you'll be sent each new episode as they become available, although you can listen to them at your own convenience whenever you choose to. If you also follow me and my time capsule on social media, that's Twitter, Instagram and Facebook in our case, haven't got to grips with the others yet, you can see what we're up to and contact us about anything you like, although I'm not that hot when it comes to dealing with medical problems. I'll have a go, obviously, but it's mostly guesswork. I'm afraid it could be fatal. 
So this Cast Off production was produced by my son, who's almost as old as I think I am every morning when I wake up until the bleak reality hits me, John Fenton Stevens. We made it through the kind offices of Acast. Right, inspired by Andy and his brilliant productions, I shall tell you my favourite joke. It's about a man who's walking down the street one day and he sees an enormous queue of people outside of a theatre. And there's a poster saying, The Great Pierre. Well, he's never heard of The Great Pierre, so he thinks, well, I'll go in and have a look. In he goes, and the place is rammed. Everybody's very excited. And finally, there's a drum roll, and onto stage walks a tiny little man in a dressing gown. In front of him is a bench, and on it are three walnuts. Anyway, the man takes his dressing gown off, and he's completely naked underneath, and he has the most enormous penis anyone's ever seen. He raises it up and very carefully smashes it down onto the walnuts, breaking them open and revealing the nuts within. The audience go absolutely wild. Pierre bows, puts his dressing gown on and leaves the stage. And that's it. Twenty years later, the man's walking down the same street and there once again is a great big queue of people outside of a theatre. And the sign says, The Great Pierre. And he thinks it can't be possible. It can't be the same man. He was ancient when I saw him twenty years ago. Anyway, he can't resist it, so he goes into the theatre, sits down, and again, the place is full of people, all anticipating this great act. The same old man walks onto the stage, but now he's really decrepit. Again, in front of him is a bench, but on it are three coconuts. Pierre takes his dressing gown off, raises his enormous penis, and one after the other, smashes the coconuts open, revealing the flesh within. The audience go wild, Pierre bows and exits the stage. Well, the man can't believe this. So he goes backstage and asks if he can see the great Pierre. He's ushered into the dressing room and he says to him, Pierre, I saw you 20 years ago. I can't believe you're still alive, but here you are, still doing the same act. Apart from the last time I saw you, you smashed walnuts. And now you're cracking open coconuts. Why the change in the act? And Pierre says, well... My eyesight isn't what it was. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.